0: Before we get into today's episode, I just wanna take a minute to talk to you about making authentic friendships. You might remember the founder, Juliana Featherman, from episode 34 of Adventures in Autism. She is an autism sibling who created this amazing interactive web app that enables children ages 13 and up and adults with special needs to make friends based on age, interest, diagnosis, and geographic location. Parents and caregivers can also sign up to connect with other parents and caregivers. For more info or to sign up, head to makingauthenticfriendships dot com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode seventy nine. I am Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming to listen. If it is your first episode, welcome. So happy to have you. And if you have been listening, thank you so much for coming on back. As always, every week, I just have to start by saying thank you so much for just all the love and support you give the show. I love hearing from you guys, getting your your messages and reviews, especially those on Apple Podcasts. Not only do they just warm my heart when I I read your kind words, but they also really help other people to find the show. So thank you so much for that. And today I am super excited for you guys to hear this episode. My guest is Stephanie Hanrahan, and she is an autism mom times two. She has a son and a daughter, both on the spectrum both very different. So we will get into all that, but just a little bit of backstory. And we kind of get into this on the episode. I was connected with Stephanie through past guest, Julie Hornock. And really all I knew about Stephanie from the start was that she was a blogger and her blog is called Tinkles Her Pants. <laughs> and like I said, we get into the episode, so. I'm not going to say much more, (laughs) but basically that was all I needed to hear was tinkles her pants. And I knew that Stephanie had to be a guest on this podcast and oh boy, did she deliver. Stephanie is basically like a motivational speaker. I can't even tell you how floored I was by this conversation, listening to her speak and just going through her entire journey, which is very unique because not only does she have her, her two children on the spectrum, but she also talks about her husband's heart condition, which is kind of what kicked off this whole time in their lives that led to her getting her first, her daughter's diagnosis, and then her son's. It's, it's just a really, really compelling story. And what Stephanie has, has come away from this with is just such amazing, Wisdom and the perspective that she has is just incredible. So I know you guys will absolutely love listening to this conversation. I loved being a part of it. When I listened back to it, I was like just as motivated and inspired once again. So honestly, I can't wait to to hit play and like hear like guys hear this one. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. Welcome to Adventures in Autism. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So I was just telling you, I had connected with you through another amazing autism mama, Julie Hornack, who was a guest on this show, and she has that awesome little web series she does that's like two truths and a lie that i had d- done for her a couple months ago and then she just recently did one with you and i i saw just the screenshot and the screenshot was your beautiful face your name and it just said your your blog title which is tinkles her pants <laughs> <laughs> i told you, I was me. like that's all i need i didn't even need to watch the video I was like this I'm in i'm fully in <laughs>
1: Well, I appreciate that. And you are immediately my people, if you understand that. You know, I'm just here to leak the truth. And um, I didn't know it would be... It's definitely memorable, right? It's good marketing, but it just, the name dawned on me because I live for those moments that make you laugh so hard you leak a little, right? Like those belly laugh, really good girlfriend moments, but that's not always real life. Like real life is hard and real life deserves to be done with real people. And so when I went to open my blog, that was my attempt to just find the real people who I could have those moments with while discussing the hard things.
0: Oh my gosh! Well, you do such such an amazing job of that. Will you kind of take us back to the beginning of your journey, which you just said was colorful, and I like that word (laughs) because it definitely there's it's a it's a very unique journey with a lot of twists and turns. So if you will kind of take us back to the beginning, I would love to hear.
1: Yes, absolutely. So colorful is kind of the word I use to describe my family, which is a polite way of saying um, crazy and chaotic, and (laughs) has a lot of different chapters. But I think. You know, for today, the story really starts in the summer of 2016. Um, my daughter Campbell was two years old, and my son Eli was six weeks old, and I was kind of living that fairy tale life. Like I had a very um, kind of chaotic life up until that point, a lot of ups and downs, and trial and overcome and once I got married to probably the most steady man possible I just felt like it was time to coast I had my two kids our family was complete um, and all that was missing was the white picket fence Um, and so that summer I really felt contented and set for the first time in my life and of course (laughs) that's when things kind of fell through the floor um, it was a typical Saturday morning. Eli was a newborn. I was recovering from my C-section and my husband was getting out of bed and, um, he hit the floor and it woke me and the baby up and I, you know, rushed over to him and he was conscious but disoriented and just gripping his back and in a lot of pain. And I used to be a labor and delivery nurse. So my first thought was, okay, I, I. I'm wondering why a healthy 31-year-old former athlete peak of his physical prime is on the ground right now. Like mm-hmm. what makes that happen? And so um what ended up happening is we were uh, we brought him to the ER, we were transferred to about three different facilities before discovering that my husband has a very rare heart condition. <clears throat> And he has an even rarer version of that. So his heart is three times as thick as it should be. It's just overworked and prone to stopping. And that's what happened that Saturday. It just flatlined. And so what um, we also learned was it was a miracle that he was alive. Um, The reason he was gripping his back is because during his fall, he hit the corner of our nightstand and that jolt broke his spine, but it also restarted his heart. Oh, so wow. when I talk about from like immense pain can come immense purpose, it can also come, it can also save your life, right? That pain can save your life. So he broke his back, but because of that, it restarted his heart. So I am, the, the physicians made it very clear if he would have fallen gracefully to the carpet, I would be a widow right now. So that kind of started our journey, um, that summer with learning our way through heart disease, um, figuring out the new normal, he was learning to walk again and I was having to, you know, bathe him and feed him and care for him. And so in the middle of all of that, um, my daughter Campbell, um, began to show, you know, some questionable signs. and. You know, the story with her really starts when she was about a year old. And I always say that Campbell was a very exceptional child. And that's not, you know, doting first time mom talk. It was just truth. Um, By 13 months old, she could speak in complete sentences. Um, She could tell you, you know, T is for tree and H is for house. And she was bubbly and social and fearless and um, could count by fives and tens. She was just this you know, the milestones just exceeded them. Didn't even meet them, exceeded them. And so as a first time mom, I just thought, well, we have just a brilliant child. Mm-hmm. Um, But around 18 months old, I started to notice some traits about her. She was really rigid about simple things falling out of place, like a lost Happy Meal toy or her favorite episode of Sesame Street getting erased. And she would have these massive breakdowns, like the The kind that is not a normal toddler tantrum. It looked like it was like physically paining her that these things had fallen out of place, um, and she started lining up her toys. And at Christmas, when she opened her gifts, she started flapping, which I just thought was from excitement. Mm-hmm. But the little antennas were starting to go off, and um, right around the time this happened with my husband's heart, she had turned two, and I was very clear that I was looking at a child with autism. Um, But because she is considered higher functioning, um, my pediatricians all disagreed. They said she's just smart and she's quirky um, and we just need to wait. So I had to sit um, during that time period um, knowing what would be confirmed when she turned three, which was that she was indeed on the autism spectrum. And as I waited that entire year, you know, nursing my husband back to health and waiting for Campbell's diagnosis, I was watching my son who was a newborn and through the first year of his life, because I knew what I was looking for, I also was able to identify that he had autism as well. So, um, complete demolition and rebuild of my faith and my family during that time period where you feel like you have everything and then you lost everything. Mm -hmm. So, Entered a pretty, um, I'll be candid, a pretty deep stage of grieving, mm-hmm. um, which I think is important to talk about because the expectation in life I had in my head was, was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was very, very difficult. And during that time I was just searching. I, I say like, I want to find the people who can say, I get it instead of, I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Cause we have the friends who mean so well. Um, but they say, I can't imagine what you're going through because they can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have any I get it friends.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the also that that partly I will take blame for that because I was Um, Because you can't see any of my family's ailments on a picture, I was still posting my pretty. I didn't share with really anybody about my husband's heart. I didn't share about the kid's autism. I had never talked about my past abuse or anxiety because you can't see it in a photo. And I was so convinced that the world only wanted my prettiest parts. Mm -hmm. And so actually what would end up changing my life is i the day Campbell was diagnosed with autism, I opened a private Instagram account. I didn't even tell my husband about it. And for a year and a half, I used it as a journal and it was just for me because I figured you always have Instagram. You always have your phone Mm -hmm. and I would post my pretty on my public profile and just share my gritty and my whole grieving heart on that Instagram account. And I did it for a year and a half until one day on my public account, somebody called my family perfect well intendedly they said oh my gosh you just have the perfect family (laughs) and it felt so icky because they were only seeing my highlight reel not my real life and so that was the birth of Tinkles or pants i think within the next week i opened the blog and the instagram account associated with Tinkles is um actually the same account i used as a journal i left it completely unedited so that was uh life-saving and um grace filled because from that, I just said, I'm, I'm hoping to find one person who can say, I get it. And to my surprise, I found a lot more than that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's so funny that you say that. Cause that's something that I say all the time. It's so simple that, you know, like you said, like just someone that's like, I get it. I people that get it. It's, it's such a simple thing, but it means so much when you connect with those people.
1: Yes, and I think the there's so much weight in it and I think here's here's the thing I've learned because now
0: now I'm the complete
1: opposite girl of of the grieving one in that first post and the reason being is because I had that year and a half of practice of being myself. And now I get to just still be myself but people are watching. And so it feels so freeing and it feels great to get ahead of your story. And also how you find your, I get it people is knowing that the more intimate you get, the more universal you get. Mm -hmm. So we may not all have the same experiences, but we have a lot of the same feelings. So when I'm talking about like grief on my website, I've had people come to me saying I've Physically lost of child. I have a child that's been diagnosed. I have a child that turned out differently than our expectations as a family. Maybe joined a different religious affiliation or is of a different sexual orientation, and they're all coming with that same feeling. And that is what is incredible to me is we are so united by our stories.
0: That's such a good point because there's so many times, like since you know Logan was diagnosed and just being on this journey, where you know I'll I'll see a post or even read an article or something and it can be about something completely different than you know our situation it doesn't even necessarily have to be about autism but like you said when you when you have come from that place of of grief and you have felt that grief before especially in because i think we've all felt grief in our life but when it has something to do with your baby who's like the most precious thing to you that grief hits really hard. And I think you feel it in in like a deeper way than you probably ever have before. I know that was definitely the case for me. Um, But like I said, there's times when it's like, I'm connecting with something. And even if it is about something completely different, I'm just able to like understand it and have like a deeper empathy for things because I, even though my grief is different, it's all coming from that same place
1: hundred percent agree. Yeah. I think, um, that has been one of the silver linings of special needs parenting, which is I am awake. Like I am awake. I see it all right. Like, and I will never again, turn away from someone else's suffering because it's like, you know, that feeling, right. And like, all you want to do, you know, is like help humanity, even if special needs child or not, it's just that feeling and and i i could handle i'm like you i could handle my own pain right like i'm i got this right but when it's your children's pain and you feel like your as a mother your sole purpose was to protect them from it mm-hmm. and you're seeing them have these breakdowns and you're seeing them suffer through sensory overload or you know any and all of the things that come under the umbrella of special needs and autism it's hard it's hard to watch that and not say give me your pain because i'll take it Exactly. Um, and so having those resources and people to say, I'm here, I get it. My child's doing the same. We've overcome this. We're working through this. It's like the best handholding I could have ever imagined.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. You're so, so right. Um, you said a couple of things that I, I want to go back to, cause I have a question. So especially with your daughter, because I mean, as we know, it, girls are diagnosed far less than boys. That's just the the statistics of it. And for her, it sounds like because she was higher functioning, I'm so impressed that you were able to spot these things when she was so young at just two. Did you then get, first of all, where, where did that like antenna go up? Those red flags, was it just like a culmination of things? Or was there like a moment where you were like, I think this is autism. And then also, did you get pushback from like doctors and professionals in trying to get, I know that you, you had to wait till she was three, but even at three, were they like in agreement or was it more difficult to get that diagnosis?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think for both of my children, especially Campbell, it was never clear cut. Like, you know, the fun little checklist they give you at the, you know, they give everyone at the, the pediatrician's office for, she, um, for autism screening. She never qualified for autism based on that.
0: Mm-hmm. And so,
1: um, that is like my mission now is like, look, and not that the, the label matters that much. It does matter when you're trying to get help and services, <laughs> so <laughs> it does matter, but it, it was like, look, I know that there's something that isn't in this box for her. Like she's, there's something going on and she needs resources and help. And those shouldn't just be reserved. Uh, this should be for everyone, right? Any, any need and diagnosis. So yes, I got a ton of pushback, um, I think the the red flag moment, the big one, because it was building, like I said, with the rigidity and, you know, um, the the meltdowns. But going back to her speech, I I said she spoke a lot and she spoke often. But eventually I I realized it turned into a lot of scripting Mm. and a lot of echolalia. So she would be repeating me if I said, you know, I love you, Campbell. She would say, I love you, Campbell. Mm. Um, Or if she wanted a snack, she would say, do you need a snack? because that's what she was hearing us say. And um, it really clicked. I think it was around Easter and we had our friends and family over for Easter dinner and we sat down. I think she was like two and a half. Um, And we sat down and we were about to eat and she stands up on her chair and says, we're about to enjoy a beautiful feast with our friends and family. (laughs) And everybody's kind of just staring at her then staring at me because no two and a half year old was talking like that. Mm -hmm. And they all knew my concerns. So they're all like, Stephanie, you're crazy. This girl is fine. And in my head, I was just just sinking because that was word for word memorized from a book we had borrowed from the library a few weeks prior. So she Mm -hmm. had, she was so smart that she had memorized it and retained it and used it in the appropriate setting. And that's how she was getting by, but there was this Mm -hmm. disconnect, right? Like I could never like conversate with her. It's still difficult. She's five now and it's very hard to have a conversation with her. It's very hard for her to engage with her peers. She was she still keeps to herself and doesn't really know how to make friends. Mm. So, um, you know, I think that's important to remember, especially with these girls. They blend in, but they still have trouble belonging, and that's that's our job to help them with that too.
0: Yes, absolutely. No, that that's so well said. Belonging. I mean, I think like all kids struggle with that, but yeah, especially. Yes you said for for girls in the spectrum that's something that I I mean I hear from more and more moms now that you know they have daughters but I remember when the the show first started most of my guests had boys because that I mean like like I said boys are just they're they're diagnosed more often than girls are and that was just the guests that the people that were coming to me that was connecting with there were so many boys and then as as the time went on I was hearing from the girl moms like you need to get more girls in the show. And I'm like, I would love to have more girl moms on the show. So thankfully now we, I have had more, but I always, I always do really think about that for the, I mean, for obviously the girls themselves in the spectrums, but for the parents, because I know like for us, you know, it's, it's my son, Logan, who he definitely fits like that, you know, kind of like idea of what we have is for like a boy on the spectrum. Like you always see like the photo, you know what I mean? Of like a little boy, and he's kind of, you know, right. maybe kind of looking off, like Logan definitely fits that box. Whereas like, like you said, for your daughter, it, you know, it looks a little bit different. So like I said, I, I mean, I really give you credit for spotting, even, even with the echolalia and the scripting, I, I, like you said, when you're a first time mom and you're probably just thinking like my kid's a genius, I mean, right. I, I, I would be thinking.
1: <laughs> right. Like where well, she's going to get mama a scholarship. Like we're <laughs> good. <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. I, just, I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if that's the clinician background or, you know, I come from a family of educators, but it, you know, trust your gut and I don't want to encourage like needless worry. Right. So like, I have a tendency to be a little bit more anxious anyway. Um, But just be like awake and aware when it comes to your kids and you are absolutely correct. It is very hard. um, You know, as I've done research and talked to other moms um, to to get a little girl, a diagnosis that young, because it looks and presents like so many other things like social anxiety or, you know, um, they just are typically a little bit harder to diagnose and they come, their diagnosis has come later in life. So, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I feel lucky that we were able to at least identify that and then know how to help her. And during that year of waiting, I just, and I look back now and I think, man, I'm glad that I just had to be, you know, bootstraps on, carry on warrior kind of thing because of my husband being not really able to help and having a newborn that life just carried on. And if she was going to have a meltdown and I had to leave a play date early, so be it. But I had to get out of the house. Right. And so I had to, I was fighting for my sanity at that point too. So unknowingly what ended up happening in that year before she was able to get therapy and help was I was her therapist. I was bringing her out into the world um, as much as I can, exposing her to as many people, as many scenarios, as many loud, noisy, crowded festivals. And I really encourage that because I know it's difficult and I know that you'll have to leave early and I know that you'll have to forfeit tickets or, you know, change plans. But I really think not bubbling her made her progress and cope, you know, kind of preparing the child for the road, not the road for the child.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a good one. 'Cause that's always that's the same thing I'm always saying. Like, just try it, just get out. Yes, there's gonna be some disasters, but like there's probably gonna be some really great stuff too. So it's like you just have to like keep pushing that that little bit, and you know, over time a little bit becomes a
1: Yes, and shift your expectation. Because early on when I was still in that that grieving period Ooh, if we didn't have a day that went as planned, it was tough on mom. Like I was having a really hard time. Cause I'm like, can't we just do, you know, can't we just go to the mall? Like, you know, but, but we couldn't at that stage, but guess what? Now we can, like, there's something to be yeah. said about perseverance. So it's just reshaping the expectation. Okay. Everybody else may get to stay and the moms might get to drink their coffee quietly while the kids play and mine's, you know, eloping and running off <laughs> but mm-hmm. you know what I'm gonna keep going I'm gonna keep yeah. showing up for my child and showing up for my life
0: yeah we're here we're gonna stick we're it out here yeah so sounds like we kind of got caught up on on your daughter Thank you for your son
1: um so Eli Eli has been, um, like you were speaking of your son, a little bit more classically cut. Um, he was he received his diagnosis right at two, um, but it was very interesting to have two children, same diagnosis, same genetics, and they are presenting in two completely different ways. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I almost had to relearn autism again, mm. um, you know, like yeah. for the first time. And mm-hmm. um, he had a speech delay, whereas Campbell's speech was really pronounced and great. Um, he had more aggressive. Be- I wouldn't call it aggressive, but like behavioral tendencies. Mm-hmm. So um, Campbell could cut it in a mainstream preschool. Eli could not. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just too overwhelming socially and sensory wise. And so um, he is now in a private autism specific classroom. And that's where he receives his services at the same school. It's been, I mean, it's been life changing. I mean, it saved my son. Mm. Um, But he's found his people in his place. Um, Whereas when he was, when I was trying to conform him to what, you know, the other children, neurotypical children were experiencing in preschool, um, you know, he was pushing his peers because he was just so overwhelmed and he didn't have the language. And now this this kid, oh, if you could see him, he's just so happy and, and he wouldn't touch a fly. I mean, he's just this, this joyful child. And, um, you know, we had to shift our expectation for him and what worked for him. And so he is excelling, you know, his speech is still delayed. He's three and a half, um, but he's able to communicate better. So he's happier. Um, and just has really impressed me with his resilience. Like these kids are, are, they're just incredibly strong.
0: Oh my gosh. They really, they're, they're just like our greatest teachers.
1: Yes. hundred percent. I mean, I, you know, I think about, you know, there was a, again, the grief, I will be honest, the grieving came again with his diagnosis. It wasn't oh. as prolonged that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you have one child already on the spectrum and you're hoping and praying honestly that I wouldn't have another one that I would have okay. a sibling that could take care of her in the future. And, um, and that we would maybe have a little bit of a different route with, and that wasn't the case for our family. And now I've come to the realization that Campbell and Eli will never be without somebody who doesn't understand them fully mm-hmm. with each other. And there's such beauty in that because, yes. I, you know, they have each other and they understand each other in a way that my husband and I will never be able to because of their diagnosis and and their challenges um, and their their ability to overcome.
0: Oh my gosh. Totally. I, I always say, I'm like giving your child a sibling is really like the greatest gift you can give them because not to say that we all, all siblings get along, but nobody understands you and understands what you've been through like a sibling. Cause they've really like been with you in the trenches for all of it. So for them to, you know, to, to just have this sibling connection, but then on top of it, like you said, to have this like deeper understanding for each other,
1: that is just such a gift. Yes. And I think it's a testament to like, I (laughs) would, I would not have probably had another child if I had known about my husband's heart, because the other kicker there is that his condition is genetic. Um, so both kids had a 50% chance of having it as well. They were either going to have his gene or mine. So we had to sit with, with that understanding and knowing. Um, and then with her diagnosis, I probably would have lived a life of fear. You know, what if the heart, what if the, the autism for the second child? And so I find it by no coincidence that Eli was six weeks old when all of this really presented itself because my family was complete. It was perfect, um, perfectly imperfectly imperfect. Um, but it was how it was supposed to be. And I, I don't doubt that these two were made for me.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. It's so funny you say that. Cause I've had several moms on recently where this has been kind of something that we've talked about is the idea of like expanding your family and having more kids after a diagnosis, because for me, so I have three kids. So Logan's my oldest. And then my daughter, Liliana, she was a year old, Logan was four when he got diagnosed. We've been on a, like an eight month wait list. It was a long process. So we started seeking the diagnosis when he was three and he wasn't actually diagnosed until he was four. And my daughter Liliana was one. And I had those same kind of thoughts like, okay, like we're, we're done now. Like our, our plates are full. We, we have a boy and a girl and we knew we needed to really focus on things with Logan. And we were like, okay, that's it. Our family's complete. And then it was like, not too long after that really we had a little surprise, <laughs> <laughs> Layla. Um and she is just the greatest gift to our family. She's amazing, but I was terrified when I found out that I was pregnant. Not only because we weren't planning on having another baby, but because that was definitely a thought of mine of like we I mean at that point like we knew we knew that Logan was on the spectrum. We were Liliana was only 1, but we were fairly certain that she was typical developing just from her and Logan were like literally night and day. So we saw things in her at one that really he, even at four, he was not able to right. do. So we were, we were scared. Cause I was like, okay, I, I know what this is now. I know that this is autism and like, yeah, could we have another child on the spectrum? It was, it was very scary for sure. Um But at the same time, I remember even when I think when she was about like six months old, maybe a little bit older and I could see that she was kind of following the same trajectory that my daughter was. I was kind of like, okay, I feel like I can breathe a little bit, but then also I remember reading this article talking about regression and then I was terrified all over again. I remember my sister, I'm like, Oh my gosh. But I'm like, yeah, she's doing great now. And she seems to be like typical, but what if she regresses? What if this all goes away? And my sister was like, you know what? You know how to handle it now you know yeah. what to do. And I mean, it was, it was definitely like, I still had some apprehension, but I was so glad that she had said that. Cause I'm like, that's true. Like I have, like how you said it was kind of easier to grieve the second time you still had to grieve. And I think that is important, but you sort of have that blueprint going forward of like, okay, I, I know like things where, where we're going to get.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think it's just, um, you know, letting go of the idea in your head for all of us. Of Mm -hmm. what we thought our family would look like. Because we all have those little girl fantasies, right? Like it starts with like the baby bump and then the baby comes like the nursery and it's going to be this perfect childhood. And, you know, life happens, right? Like it's very hard to get through a broken world unbroken at some point. (laughs) some point, something is going to happen. And so, um, you know, I've learned to just kind of accept like trading my expectation for appreciation. Like here's what I have and I have two children and they're going to be Okay. And, um, if I'm honest, you know, looking back, my, my ability to overcome is what made me so resilient. And that's what I'm trying to raise kind, resilient children. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's not a bad thing that these kids have turmoil and pain and, you know, suffering because that makes character, you know, if I had an easy existence, I would just, I'd just be coasting through life still. Yeah. So, and now, you know, I try to think about the fact that like, yes, we don't get to do a lot of things that some families get to do, but now I have this community that other people don't have. Right. I have these thousands of women who know what like the real grit of life is about and they're cheering my children on. Like mm-hmm. I've, we've, it's just a beautiful It's not minimizing because anyone who's listening to this at the beginning of their journey and rolling the eyes like, oh, it's so beautiful. Look, I think two (laughs) feelings can coexist at the same time, right? Like you can accept and still be angry. Like you can grieve and still believe the best is yet to come. Like these are not mutually exclusive. Like grief didn't just stop for me. It still hits me. I had a breakdown at my daughter's swim class the other day because three-year-olds We're jumping in the water, diving in, cannibals, and she's five and a half and cannot swim. And we've been doing private lessons for five years. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm sitting there calculating the money, watching these (laughs) three-year-olds and bawling. And so, right? Because it hits you. It just hits you. But I look, I'm still showing up for those lessons every Sunday because I can grieve and still believe that the best is coming.
0: Oh, you are just like speaking to my soul. (laughs) Yes. I, I, the, the, the thought that like feelings can coexist, I think is really important. And I do think that that is something that, like you said, kind of at the beginning of your journey, that doesn't feel possible because you, all you kind of feel is like the, the grief and the sadness and the what ifs and the uncertainty of everything. Um, I was, I was just talking about this in a solo episode that I did is like, you know, kind of coming to that place of acceptance, like really I think it just takes time. I think it takes like understanding and knowledge. And like you said, we, you might roll your eyes now, but there's definitely there, there really is this beauty to this journey that, I mean, you, you, it's unspoken. You can't even put it into words really. And like you said, especially when you connect with other people, it's like real recognizes real. And you know, like these people are coming from the same place that I am and they get it.
1: Right. Yes. And to piggyback off of that, I think that goes back to just stressing the importance of finding your people. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we were talking about prior, I, <laughs> I still have a hard time finding people specific to with the same specific type of cases that my children have. Right. Because that's very, we've met one child with autism, we've met one. So, um, but as we reference, like feelings are universal. So find the people that feel the most right and the most real and run towards them. And I don't care if it's one person Mm -hmm. and share your story. And I know, you know, my liberation came from sharing in a very big, big public way, but I think the reason it was well-received is because I was sharing from scars versus open wounds. Like when my wounds and my grief was like pouring out, if I would have just hopped online right then, I think that it would have been a different feel, right? Because it was more of a cry for help instead of using my experience to help others. And so when you're in the pit of it and you're not ready to bring it to the masses, um, find that person, find a therapist. Find a f- I don't care if you have to find an empty Instagram account, you know, find a space to share yourself in the most authentic, real way possible. Like get familiar with grief, get familiar with your feelings and don't shame yourself for any of it. Just let it out into a space, whether it's on a stage or a page, just let it out. And I think that's that practice in just confining in my inner circle was then able to widen my circle as things started to heal. Um, and then that's how you're able to help people later on.
0: Oh my gosh, Stephanie, you need to write a book.
1: Uh, <laughs> listen, it is, it has been, I think I've wanted to write a book since I was seven and my mom brought home one of those, she was a teacher, brought home one of those big Macintosh computers. Do you remember those? <laughs> she got to borrow it from the summer oh, yeah. and I, I said, I'm going to write a book. So it's been a long time coming. So we'll, we'll stay tuned for that one.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> you need to like write a book. You need to like have a like inspirational TV series. Like I just, I need it all for real. Uh, I love, I love what you said about coming from a place of scars as opposed to open wounds, because I do feel like for so long in this journey, it, it seems like we, we, we are like an open wound. We're just like bleeding. And like you said, like eventually it, it does come to a place of healing and it might not be the way that you thought it would, but it's like, you, then you're able to kind of look back and then you see like, Oh, I, I really have healed on this journey.
1: Yes. And I think like what I stop and do now, when I'm in the middle of something that feels really heavy and strong is say, what are you here to teach me? Because some, like, there's something going I'm this, this, Problem or trial or tribulation is here to teach me something. And so if I have a really keen eye, I will be able to figure that out. Maybe not in the moment, maybe after the fact. Um, And, you know, that's not to say you have to walk through without fear. But leading with that vulnerability is just that connective tissue. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's hard. Like, I always like to say, like, my circumstances have not changed. My husband still has a really bad heart. Um, we're writing his current heart out as long as we can before he needs a transplant. Um, cause transplants only last 15 to 20 years is what we put in his case. Wow. And he is, um, we're 34. So 50 is not good enough. Right. So we still live in a limbo there. Um, so that circumstance has not changed. My children's autism will always be there. I will always have some level of just, you know, fighting through my past, but, my perspective has changed and that's where the power lies. And so, you know, I'm not confident that there's not more pain ahead for me in life, but I'm confident of the overcoming of the redemption side of it.
0: Oh my gosh. Just like preach it to me, girl. I love (laughs) (laughs) you've taken me to church today. Uh, Well, I could just listen to you talk all day. Um, Thank you so much for, for coming on and just for sharing your story so openly and just all these little pearls of wisdom. They, I, I know I've, I've learned so much listening to you. Can you share where people can connect with you and find you? Yes. So, um, you can
1: find me on Tinkles Her Pants. Um, that is the same for my blog. It's TinklesHerPants.com. And then all of my Instagram, which is, uh, or Instagram and Facebook, excuse me, are both at Tinkles TinklesHerPants. Um, So yeah, come laugh, cry, and leak with me, and just keep it real. (laughs) I still,
0: every time I hear it, I can't help but like giggle in the best way possible. Yeah. Well, I thought
1: I thought about putting on my business cards like she traded her pretending for a panty liner, but you know, (laughs) we'll just we'll just let it be metaphorical, and um, it's just tinkles her pants. And you look, it made us giggle today, so there, it served it served its purpose already.
0: Oh my gosh. It totally, it it absolutely does. Well, thank you so, so much, Stephanie. It's been such a joy to chat with you. You take care. You too. Bye. Bye. It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things. I also just enjoy... Good old Chicklet. <laughs> I love anything by Emily Giffin, like something borrowed or something blue. And those are available on Audible as well. But you can pick from any of their titles. So to download your free audiobook today, go to Audibletrial.com slash adventures and autism, all one word. Again, that's Audibletrial.com slash adventures and autism for your free audiobook. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Stephanie. Isn't she just amazing? I I told you guys, she just blew me away with everything she had to share all her little pearls of wisdom. Honestly, I just I'm so thankful that that she came on on the podcast to to share all this and that she continues to share so openly on her blog and her social media. You definitely want to follow her. She's just, she's the best. She's so honest and so open and just fun. I'm so glad that we we connected. So if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook at Adventures and Autism Podcast or on Instagram at Adventures in Autism Pod, or you can email me at Adventures and Autism 2018 at yahoo.com. Again, I love to hear from you guys. I love getting feedback, or if you have a question about the show, if you'd like to be on the show, if you'd like to share your story, please send me an email with a little bit of backstory, a little bit of background on you and your family. I would love to hear. And that is all for today. But again, thank you so much for listening. Lots of great episodes to come. And until next time, take care.